0: It seems like you've had the conversation about 17 times, but again, you have an employee asking you, wait, is this thing we're talking about supposed to be part of my job? And you clarify the role again, but you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind, really? We're having this conversation again? In this episode, Jonathan Raymond returns with four questions to ask yourself and your employee to align them with the role. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 623. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the challenges that I often hear, and I know today's guest hears as well from leaders, is the frustration of my employees don't really know what their roles are. As many times as that's been discussed and talked about and maybe even documented, finding that alignment of the purpose and the important factors of a role is something that is a challenge for so many leaders and organizations. Today, a conversation on how to find that alignment to make it more clear and a framework that'll help us to get there better. I'm so pleased to welcome back Jonathan Raymond to the show. Jonathan spent 20 years building careers in business development and personal growth before realizing he could have the best of both worlds by starting his own company. Now he uses those skills to advise CEOs and organizational leaders on how to create a people-first culture that drives results. As the founder of ReFound, his goal is to provide clients with a partner that they can trust and programs that give managers an experience of how they can make work a better place, one conversation at a time. He's the author of the book Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting for. He's also the creator of The Accountability Dial, used daily by many of our members and listeners to open up more healthy dialogue inside of their teams and organizations. Jonathan, it is always a pleasure to have you on. Likewise, Dave. Thanks for having me back on the show. You and I are in roles where we have the privilege of hearing about the frustrations that leaders deal with every single day. and A common refrain that I know we both hear is a leader coming to one of us and saying, I'm really having a hard time aligning this person or sometimes this team with the role and what their job is. And as much time as we've spent talking about this, it seems like people don't get it or they come to me and say like, I don't understand what my job is or my role is. You hear this a lot too,
1: don't you? Yeah, and it's it's really to kind of pour salt in the wound right at the beginning. It's even worse than that because what I hear over and over and over again, and I've said to myself, I've heard myself say it, is how can that possibly be? How can it possibly be that people don't know what their job is or why their role exists in the business? We've talked about it so many times. It's in the job description. It's in the tasks. It's in the, the KPIs of the OKRs. We think to ourselves, this is insane, right? Like I've talked with so many, whether it's executives, first-time managers, like how could it possibly be that people don't know what their job is? But it that's the reality. When you talk with Employees, you know, we've surveyed thousands and thousands of employees in the work that we do. And it's the most common thing we hear is I don't really know what my job is. I don't really know why my job exists. I don't really know where my job ends and the next person's job begins. I don't know what decision making rights I have. Um, I don't know where I should be giving input. I don't know what authority I have. We've just heard it too many times to count.
0: One of the things that I have always loved about you and your work is that you are really intentional about aligning personal growth of the individual, the employee with business results, that that's not a either or, it's a both and, how do both Mm -hmm. happen well? And if both both are done well, that's actually best for everyone. And that has surfaced something that you call the soul of the role, which we're going to get into Mm -hmm. in some detail today. Big picture, what is the soul of the role and how did this come about?
1: So I know a lot of people are familiar with good authority and accountability and, fee- and feedback, the model for feedback, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in this conversation. But what was happening, this idea of sold the role was implied in good authority, but it wasn't actually called out explicitly. And in working with clients, there was one particular CEO I was working with. This was you know, a couple of years ago. And I was trying to help him solve this problem of how does he get aligned with his direct reports, his CTO, VP of operations. And... What kept happening was I would ask the CEO, Tel, you tell me, like, what is the, what's the purpose of their role? Why, why do you have a CTO? Why do you have a head of sales? Or, you know, whatever those roles were. And then I would ask those people, and it's in separate rooms, right, in separate conversations. Then I would ask people in those roles, hey, why do you think this role exists? What do you think the purpose of this role is, those, that same role? And what, I, what just became so blaringly clear to me is they, were, they kept talking past each other in exactly the same way. So, the person in the role had a strong tendency to talk about the work itself. Well, here's what I'm responsible for. Here are the things that are in my inbox. Here's the projects that I'm accountable for, et cetera, et cetera. And what the manager, in this case, was a CEO in every single case, his draft, right? His response was actually, what do I want this person to be thinking about? What are they responsible for strategically? What's the corner that I want them to be seeing around? What's the balance? that I want them to be holding? What's the tension that they're responsible for in the organization? What's the thing that I need them to do so that I don't feel responsible or pulled down into doing it? So I don't superhero in the moment. And, the, and neither of them were articulating it perfectly, but in particular, the manager wasn't articulating it at all. And so when I asked him, I said, well, well what do you mean by that? Tell me more about that. How should this person understand that? We got into this conversation and he said, Oh, oh, you're talking about the soul of the role. And I said, Yeah. And he's like, Oh, we never, we've never talked about that. And I was oh. like, That's the missing piece. That's the thing that you've never actually articulated. So they have no idea. That's why they're saying to you, I don't know what my role exists. That's why there, there's all this conflict and frustration and tension. And you feel like you're talking past each other because you are, because you've never actually articulated from your perspective what's the soul of the role. And so they don't understand it in that way. And so they're gonna default and backslide to the to the job, right? To the to the things that were in the job description or the tasks or the inbox, all the linear stuff. And what you're asking from them is something much more holistic that has emotion tied to it, that has critical thinking tied to it. But you haven't defined that. So guess what? You haven't defined it, so they don't know what it is. One of the
0: key points that landed with me in looking through the details of the soul and the role is the invitation to separate the role from the person. Mm. And I, I have told folks that for years, and I think many people have heard that, like, okay, role first, <laughs> person second, right? Yeah. But one of the other really key things that came up for me in thinking about this, and you say this really explicitly, is depersonalizing the, mm. the person from the role
1: actually helps with aligning them to the role. Yes. What is it that's helpful about that? It's a, you know, there's a, there's a parallel to this in a lot of kind of systems thinking and kind of the way to think about design, but the trap that we fall into is we get so accustomed, understandable, we're humans, we get accustomed to the person and we stop thinking about the role itself and what, what is actually needed for the success of my team or my division or my organization. We stop thinking about that because we're so focused on the person in front of us and what do we like about them? What do we not like about them? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are the pieces that I have? I've had to manage around whatever. But we're so in the weeds of the individual that's in that role that we forget to ask, wait a second, why do we have a VP of operations? Why do we have a director of marketing? Why do I have a frontline call center person? What is the purpose? And it's it's not an easy question to answer, right? And so what ha- What the, the benefit and the purpose of depersonalization, it's First, it starts with self-care for you as a manager, right? Because you're being measured on your goals, you're being measured on your objectives, your outcomes, however that, whatever that shape that takes in your organization. And so, you have to start by thinking about, okay, well, if I have these goals, what are the roles around me? What are the resources, right? So, I need a bunch of roles. I'm, I, have, I have this responsibility, and I have each, these eight direct reports. Let's just let's say, what do I need from each of those roles? And to be able to look at that objectively and see what are the roles themselves and how do they relate with each other, that's the depersonalization element. And if you don't do that, you're just going to be in the mud of trying to navigate all the different personalities. You will never have actually had the conversation, Well, what does our team need, right? And then you say, okay, well, here are the eight roles. Here's what we need in order to be successful. And then you can have an honest, human, direct, challenging, caring, meaningful conversation with the person that's in that role today and say, hey, here's what's needed from the role. And here's how you're doing. Here's the things that you're, where you're killing it. Here's the things where you're doing great. And here's the places where there's some gaps. And now we have something we could do together. And it's also all how you evaluate if there's a role that isn't filled right now. Well, who? what are you looking for? What are the qualities? Not what are the tasks, right? What are the qualities of person that I, what type of thinker do I need? It it helps us by depersonalizing it. It helps us create the right framework for people to succeed within.
0: And once you know that, then you can do something with it. And to go back to the accountability dial, if you know what the soul of the role is and the purpose is really clear and you have alignment, then the accountability dial conversations, the mentions, the conversations later, become easier because you have context of what it is that you're talking about versus just like, what have you been doing?
1: Totally. And especially for folks who work you know in a remote environment or, 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 a, or a hybrid one, but it's true in person too, it's hard to know what to give feedback about, right? So even if you love the accountability, and you think, hey, this is the way I want to give feedback. You've got a lot of things that you could give feedback about, right? There's, there's a lot going on, especially these days. So to be more selective about where you intervene with feedback, there's no greater place than to help somebody with, by, by giving them feedback about how they're doing relative to the soul of the role or something you talked about in that conversation. And not just criticism, not like, hey, we talked about the soul of the role being X and here was an opportunity where, where you didn't do that. The opposite, right? Hey, we talked about soul of the role and the most important aspect of what this role should be driving for. And that was a great example of where you did that. Amazing. Thank you. Love you. You're great. Keep going. Right? So it's both.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely a progression here and you've identified three of them. One is and you've said this already, defining what the soul of the role is. Secondly, aligning with the employee on the that that role. And then third, there's some sustainability about this too. How do you keep it going? Maybe we start and really look at the defining piece as a beginning point because I think like that's really where the heart of this is of like what is what is the soul of the role and how do you actually yeah. get there. And there, there's some key pieces of this, yes. Yes, indeed. Well, here's what I did. So I looked at the four questions that I saw, and I thought, what would be helpful for like context for all of us and getting like our heads around this? And Mm -hmm. I just thought about this from my role of hosting this podcast. Now, those of you who interact with me know that there's other hats I wear, running the Business Academy, those kinds of things. But for the purpose of this conversation, let's look at just the role of me hosting this podcast. And I thought it might be helpful to walk through these four questions. And I took a first pass, which is what you Mm -hmm. invite leaders to do is like, okay, you take the first pass first, and especially when you're thinking about someone else, like you're actually... Getting clear on like what does this mean for you, and then we'll talk about alignment in a bit. But I, I took a first pass, and there is some questions I've got. Like looking through this, Great. that maybe you can help me through. So Great. maybe let's let's just start with the first question, I guess. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so first question is what's the purpose of the role, right? And so here is here is what I as in thinking about this, I came up with two: a primary okay. and a secondary. So when I think of hosting this podcast, my primary purpose is to help listeners lead better. Number one, if I do that, that is that is great. Lots of other good things happen. And in practice, that means someone listening to this conversation finishes listening and can go into the workplace and actually apply something immediately. Like if that happens, that is great. And then okay. secondarily on that is helping experts to get their ideas out into the world. So in this conversation, Jonathan, like helping you to get the work you've done on the soul of the row, the good alignment course, like getting that out into the world as also helping yes, guest experts, but also that leads back to number one, which is helping our listeners lead better. And if I'm doing that, like to me, that's the purpose of why I do this.
1: Great. So so I like those. And I'll I'll follow up with questions and we'll try to extract this out for for listeners as well. So I'll ask you some questions and obviously I've known you for a long time, but there's a lot of podcasts out there, right? There's a lot of content. There are a lot of people who share expertise their own and others. What is unique about the host of Coaching for Leaders? What is the thing that that person, like how do they need to show up to the role that's different that sets this podcast apart from the other ones?
0: Yeah, okay. So, one is I listen well to members and listeners to to tell me what they're struggling with. Like right. for me like that's huge is I have my ears open, I'm interacting on email, I'm listening especially to our academy members like what are they struggling with? And then part of my job to do this really well is considering context. And context for me is a few things. One of it is like what are people struggling with? But context is also, what have we talked about on the show in the recent and sometimes distant past? So Mm. I might have someone who I would really love to have a conversation with, as happens on a somewhat regular basis, because they've got some great work out there. But we've had similar conversations on the podcast in the last 12 months. and. For me, it's like, okay, we've kind of done that. Like, yes, just looking at this person, this one interview, yes, that would be helpful. But it's not helpful for the audience as much because we've already had conversations on that. So part of it is me thinking, what are people struggling with? What's the context of the conversations we've already had on that? And then like, what is it that specifically is going to be most useful for people now? Like in the context of me preparing for this conversation, Jonathan, Like I did the whole... Good alignment course, went through everything. And I thought, okay, there's a lot here, but these four questions that we're talking about right now, like that's really the heart of this. And if I can do that and and prepare for the interview well by like zeroing in on something really specific, that that's that's huge. I've yeah. got a few more too, but maybe I'll stop here because you might have some thoughts yeah. on that.
1: Yeah. So so it's embedded. We've got it, we've got all the thi- we've got all the ingredients in there to work with, and this is what I want to draw out. So I'm going to offer you a draft of, I'm going to redraft your purpose in the moment to pull forward what I heard as the purpose of your role in the way that I would do it as a manager for somebody who is doing it. Mm. And I'm not going to get it perfect because we're obviously we're live. So to me, the purpose of your role is something like to be the person who listens to the needs of managers and offers them a perspective that has context on what it takes to succeed as a manager in the modern world. Ooh, that's good. That's because that's going to get you out. That's what gets you out of the bed in the morning. It, yeah. I know it already does. Yeah. Right? But that's your purpose.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's different. That's different than like yes. just... W- what's different about it is anybody could say the thing I said first, which is like help people lead better. Like lots of people who host podcasts could say that. But exactly. that, that's much more like what is coaching for leaders that makes it different
1: than all the other podcasts out there, right? Exactly. And it's that element because that has, the, the, the secret ingredient to that is emotion. It has emotion. It also has the, has a different type of clarity, which you just described, but it has emotion, has a feeling, right? And that's what people are lacking in their jobs. It doesn't have, give me a feeling. Give me something that I could go. Ooh, did you 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 heard it right in your reaction. You're like, ooh, that's good. Yeah, right? it's like, oh, I get it. It's there's something inspirational about it. There's something aspirational about it, and there's something different, right? The to succeed, right? Because it's going to drive all those other questions. Because if you are honoring that purpose, you're going to behave in a very specific set of ways, and you're going to go after a very specific set of priorities that are connected to that purpose which is different than the way you had it before.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and you use the word mission a bunch in the course of this isn't just like what's my job, but there's there's a mission and there's something that like gets you out of bed that's it that I I sort of do naturally cuz I figured this out over the years but a lot of people like don't necessarily do especially if it's someone else that's created the role for them or they or-, or they're stepping into a role that yeah. if we can get to that emotional piece like that's really like there's just such a different level of engagement there.
1: Yeah. And let me let's tie it to this idea cuz I know a lot of folks are familiar with this idea of more Yoda less superhero. Yeah. We could just say briefly, right? It's this mindset that we talked about in good authority of like Figuring out how to step back in the right ways, not to fix and solve everything, but to create growth and learning opportunities for the people on your team. Right. So if you're thinking about it from that perspective, there's a question that I often ask that can help you get to the soul of the role for a role that reports to you. And the question is this. What is it that you need that person to worry about, to obsess about, to be passionately, vigilantly looking at day in and day out? What's the question? that you need them to be asking so that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Because, and or flip flip it around, if they don't, they're going to pull you in and you're going to do it for them. And this is what I see managers and executives do all the time. They delegate work, but they don't delegate the emotion. They don't delegate ownership. That's what soul of the role is. They don't delegate ownership at the level of emotion, at the level of, hey, what should I be looking for? And this This more contextual, nuanced, ambiguous thing that's really the soul of it, right? It's not a linear thing. That's why we call it the soul of the role.
0: And for me, that
1: thing that I'm obsessing
0: over is like, what's the focus of this conversation? When I get someone's book, someone's work, someone's YouTube channel, whatever their work is, whatever their expertise is, it's okay, I've got 10 hours of material, 500 pages of material. My question that I'm like obsessing over and I'm spending hours on sometimes is like, what's what does our audience really really need from this like what are the three or four pages out of this person's work that they really need and me zeroing in on that and getting laser focused on that and if i do a good job of that then of course in context with all the other conversations we've had then that's like super useful to people and actually that leads me to another question about question two which is what makes someone successful in the role and Mm -hmm. the 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 distinction I found that I was having a hard time with, not because of you, but because of me, like when I was writing this out and thinking like, okay, what does actually make me successful in the role is how much of that is the skills, like the things I was saying earlier, like listening, context, deciding on the focus, and how much of it is like metrics, like what are things I'm seeing after or during doing the work? How do you mm. think about that distinction? Or am I even framing that in the right
1: way? So- I I think it can be both of those things. The way that it's that that's helpful for me to think about it, and the way that I generally teach it, is think about it more sort of behaviorals and how you show up to the role. So, for example, if we keep going down with the example that you gave, it's like how do you need to organize yourself in order to fulfill on that purpose? So, for example, you probably can't spend twelve hours a day on Facebook, Right. right, and be successful in that role. So, there are like there there are there are ways that you need to set up your life. Your, your infrastructure, if you will, not to be too cheeky about it, but like think about it in the work context, right? If that's my role and that's my purpose, then I'm going to start to think about the way that I'm showing up more broadly. Yes. What are the metrics? But I think it's, it's the temptation is to go to the metrics too quickly instead of go to the things that are more essential. Like what are the, what are the, what are the methods? Right. That are that, that we're going to, that are going to drive the metrics is where I would focus more of your attention there.
0: Cool, that makes sense. All right, so question three then is: What are three priorities for this role in the next ninety days? Yeah, this one I had a harder time with because of the nature of the role is so Mm -hmm. repetitive, like in a good way. Like, so here's here's what I wrote down, and tell me where I'm missing things. But like, okay, so number one is like selecting guests. So Mm -hmm. thinking about me doing what I'm always doing which is listening thinking about context of recent conversations with academy members especially so thinking about and selecting guests secondly is reading and reviewing their work most of my work i think is well before the interview ever happens like if if mm-hmm. i just look at time invested like my work for this conversation, Jonathan, is like almost done. <laughs> like I, yeah. the, the 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 real work was the thinking, the talking to you in advance, the getting into the course, the writing notes. To the like for mm-hmm. me, like once I get to the conversation, that's like I don't want to say it's easy, but it's like it just flows yeah. because I'm I'm ready for that conversation. So so that to me is like a huge chunk that's always there. And then third, I guess, is having the conversations, like recording interviews as host part of this is also then listening to what happens afterwards and one of my metrics that i'm i'm looking for which again maybe this goes back to question 2 a bit is like do our members and listeners use guest's name like When they use people's Mm. names, I'm like, ooh, they were really paying attention if they remember the guest names and reusing it. And do I hear about success stories right away? And and then, you know, people pass along. Like if I see on social media, someone's like on LinkedIn, if something gets a lot of traction, I'm like, oh, that's like even a more helpful episode than normal. Like I can sort of see some of those metrics. But I don't know if those are like 90 day priorities. Like, am I I in the ballpark there?
1: Yeah. No. So I got so I think those are all things to to track which you are. And I think I love. In particular, though, that's that's a really compelling way to describe a a brand, right? I've used that before is like, it doesn't really matter what we think, right? It matters like, does it show up in other places? That's probably a pretty good sign. So here's how I would think about it differently or or a way to ask these questions a little differently. If I were to say to you, today's day one and 90 days from now, you're still in the role of podcast host, you're fulfilling on that purpose, you're showing up in these ways. How do you know that you are winning? in the in the sense of like, what do you want to change, right? So I'll give you an example, right? Like, so let's say, I'm making this up, Dave. So you would say, you might, let's say you say to yourself, you know what, there's something about these interviews. I love all these interviews. I love all these guests, but there's this place that I want to get to that sometimes I don't get to. I get there 60% of the time, but I don't always get there. And it's however you would describe it. There's a moment in the conversation that I want to get to with my guests that that I feel like I get there sometimes, but I don't get there as much as I would like, right? Over the next 90 days, I'm going to make that my focus, mm, right? Because yeah. you have your system fairly well dialed, right? Because it's, as you said, it's fairly repetitive and that's good, right? It is fairly well systematized. Where are the areas where it could be even better, right? Or, or you might say, you know what, I've noticed I went back through some recordings and there's a certain type of question that I've been asking that I don't think is helpful. I, I don't think I need to ask that question anymore. And so I'm going to, try to catch myself like so it's things like that right where it's not wholesale like i'm going to increase viewership or listenership by x percent although that might be right that since that's not where you're at i would look for those types of things and it's and it brings a important a really important point the reason why we talk about the soul of the role in 90 day cycles is that's a long enough time to actually do something but it's not so long right that it that it loses its relevance Right. So, so you might focus on those three things for the next 90 days. You may be like, got it. I, n- I nailed it. Now I'm going to do something. Now I'm going to, I'm going to change my focus for the next 90 days. And that's a way to keep those cycles on a team. Right. So, what, if you have an annual performance review, some people do. If you have a semi annual performance review, some people do. If you have a quarterly check in, some people do. If you have monthly check ins, some people do. If you have weekly or biweekly one on ones, it's like, where, what's the cycle? What's the cadence? where you revisit that. And I would offer with the pace of business today and the types of clients and the organizations that we're generally working with, 90 days is a pretty good clip. It's a pretty good time to think about what are the three things that will really that this person could really focus on. There's some steady state things, but what are the things that we might be able to change, improve, et cetera, and have that be the focus of the one-on-ones and then say at the end of those 90 days, great, how did we do? And you might say, well, we made progress, but let's give that another 90 days, right? It's not a punitive thing. It's just like, oh, we discovered that's such a rich area for us to be working on. Well, let's keep going. Maybe we'll do that for the next two years. That's cool. But giving it that ninety day cycle, I think is really helpful.
0: Yeah, and that makes total sense. Now that you've said that, and I don't have like an apparent thing like like so that's right on the top of my head. Often I do. Like often there is something I'm thinking about with interviews and interview prep. The one thing that's kind of coming up for me a little bit is like maybe efficiency. Like, if do I need to spend four hours? Could I spend three and a half hours on some things? Mm-hmm. Probably.
1: I'll I'll give you I'll give you one day. Yeah, that's sure. and this is for other people. So when you get, we're used to all your listeners, myself, you. We're all focused on what can change, what can be better, what can be improved upon. What are the th- what are the things? What are the goals? Right. We're very. We're, that's very much our mindset. So, in a moment like this, if if you're, if you're Dave or if you're somebody else, you might be like, oh, "Okay, nothing's coming front of mind, huh? Maybe I could use the next ninety days to do more celebration. Mm. Maybe I can use the next ninety days to lean into some conversations on career development that I haven't that I haven't been able to give enough time for, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So. That are connected, again, connected to that purpose of driving things. So so there's always something. It doesn't necessarily have to be an incremental improvement in the traditional sense.
0: Yeah, this is great. So for two reasons. One, you just made me think of something I need to do, (laughs) which is I... I'm very piecemeal on, re- on responding to inquiries that come in and also thinking about interviews. Like I'm sort of like processing that with my inbox. And one of the things that I, and, and also things that are coming in from our members and requests, one of the things I need to do is I need to set aside dedicated time to like do thinking about interviews. I would be way more efficient if I just did that once a week at a dedicated time. And I've known for a while I need to do that. And the, like, this is just reminding me of that. There you go. There so that's like a tactical level. That That's there. S- big picture. Second thing though is like, I'm pretty mature in this role. Like I've had pretty good success Mm. with it. It's not that there's not a lot I can still learn. I'm still pushing myself all the time. But we also have a lot of people listening who are managing people who are mature, really successful in their roles. And just by asking this question, like you just did Mm. to me, you know, there's something there, right? There's something Mm. there that like, even if it is something like, okay, what can I do to celebrate? Like that you zero in on for that 90 days, like what a great place nudge someone forward who's really successful in the role, but helps things to continue to move for them, stay interesting, stay engaged. Like, What a great way to do that. All right. So four questions, we've hit three of them. Number one, what's the purpose of the role? Number two, what makes someone successful in this role? Number three, what are the three priorities for the role in the next 90 days? And then
1: the fourth one, what are their decision-making rights? Mm. Tell me about that. This is an area where there's, a, especially at the manager level, a lot of managers report, hey, look, I've got the title, but I don't have the authority, right? Now, imagine if you feel that way, imagine how the people who report to you feel, right? Imagine the people who report to them and the people who are on the front lines. And this is something we just we just hear it all, all the time is, I don't know what I have decision making rights over. And the way that I that I want people to answer this question is, don't think about specific decisions. Think about types of decisions. Right. So for example, strategic decisions, you might say, Hey, for strategic decisions that you're going to make, then I, as your manager, I need to have input. So you don't have the sole decision making rights there. And there are different models for how to think about this. Right. For these types of decisions over here, you do have decision making rights. And just to clarify that, and it could be like, it can be you have no decision making rights and just be honest about that. Right. Just to say, Hey, in this role, you actually don't have any decision-making rights or at least largely no, like people are adults, treat them like adults. Like, I get it. I don't have decision-making rights on that. You have input. We want to hear what you have to say, but act, but ultimately the decision sits with me or it sits with this other person. That's the nature of our team or our business or, or what have you, right? So th- that being said, there 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 are day-to-day decisions, but think about it in terms of types of decisions rather than a specific like, oh, can they talk to this specific metric or something like that? People just want to know where they stand and it's, and they, and they rarely do in the modern workplace. Where do I have decision-making rights? Where do I have input rights where I get, I get to have a, I get to have a voice and where there are places where I, maybe I just get to advocate. I don't, I don't actually keep, I don't actually, I'm not entitled to have my input be heard. That's real, right? That's the nature of a, especially a large matrix organization. There's a lot of things that go on that you don't get to have input on. Yeah. And a mature team and a mature organization is just clear with people uh, about those things.
0: Uh, what you just said, like, made me think as I was going through this, like, just the value of doing this, even just for the manager thinking through this, of like what we think in our minds it's sometimes different than reality. When I first looked at this question, which is what are decision making rights, I thought, well, this doesn't apply to me because I host the show, I produce it, you know, everything. Like, there's no one else involved in that piece of it. And then I got to thinking, like, no, that's actually not true at all. So yes, that's true up until this point when we record an interview. But afterwards, mm. I hand it over to Andrew, who then edits the interview. And I will often advise him on like, okay, here's some things that like maybe we need to pull out for timing or something that didn't quite right. work that maybe we edit. But ultimately the decision's his. Like I don't Yeah, listen to it, review it before it airs. Like he decides what to do because I'm too close to it and he makes better decisions than I would and he knows he's empowered to do that. And I got to thinking about that and I was like, oh, like I do mention that to him occasionally. Hi, Andrew. (laughs) I do mention that to him in (laughs) conversations and I record like, actually I record video or audio notes for him after interviews and we kind of, talk through things. But I haven't been as explicit about that on some things as I probably need to be. So it's like help even as like a solo person doing something who's not delegating a bunch of it, like helpful to me just to think through the decision-making process.
1: Yes, 100%. And those conversations, they just go a long way to people feeling engaged, feeling like you care, that you're you're invested in their happiness and their growth.
0: You are so good at this, Jonathan, you and your team of aligning personal growth with business results. I loved the course, Good Alignment. For folks who want to dive in more on this and really get into it, maybe for themselves, maybe for their teams, what's the best place to go if they really want to get into the course in detail?
1: Yeah, best place to go, just go to refound.com and click on Academy at the top of the screen and it'll take you there. You could do the alignment course itself, or you could do it as part of a bundle with the uh, accountability dial and uh, Moriota list superhero as well, what we call good authority. And folks can always reach me, Jonathan at refound.com. Always
0: a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for your work, Jonathan. Jonathan is the founder of Refound, the author of the book Good Authority How to Become the Leader Your Team Is Waiting For. Such a pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks, dude. Of course, there's more to alignment beyond just the four questions in the Good Alignment course. Jonathan goes into great detail on next steps, not only how to align with the employee well, but also then ongoing, how to continue to bring this into regular conversations. It's a fabulous course. Everything Jonathan and his team does on the course is just incredible on accountability and alignment and good authority. If you're looking for more, I encourage you to check out the link to Refound Academy in the episode notes. Of course, it'll be in this week's weekly leadership guide as well. And also, if you're looking for more, a few related episodes that I'd recommend to you, one of them is episode 413, Effective Delegation of Authority. Hassan Osman was my guest on that episode. We talked about how to delegate well, what are the steps, what are the principles to keep in mind, and how to communicate step-by-step with an employee. And of course, a good starting point for that is role clarity. Once you have role clarity, then delegation becomes Easier and clearer. Episode 413, a good compliment to this conversation. Also a good compliment is a past episode with Jonathan, episode 464. Once you know Clarity of the role, once you have delegated well, then accountability becomes the next step, and accountability also gets easier when there's role clarity, when there's clarity on delegation. Episode 464, we talked about accountability, the title of that episode, how to balance care and accountability when leading remotely. We talked about how does accountability look different in the remote and hybrid environment that so many of us have been, of course, leaning in on much more in recent years, that's episode 464. Jonathan and I originally talked about the accountability dial way back in episode 306, but episode 464 is a little bit more of a recent version, now thinking about it through the hybrid remote context. Both of them great resources for you. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 567, how to lead and retain high performers. Ruth Gotin was my guest on that episode. She's been on a couple times before, also a longtime listener of the podcast. Ruth's work and research has really looked at a high performance. Performers, And in that conversation, we talked about what we can do as leaders to do a better job at supporting, developing, and really inspiring high performers inside of our organizations. They are different than typical employees, and how you interact with them is different and how you think about them. Ruth really walks us through in episode 567 how to think about that, and starting points. Lots of overlap in these conversations as well. All of those episodes, of course, you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. I'm inviting you to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. When you do, it's going to give you access to a whole bunch of resources and benefits inside of the free membership, including my weekly leadership guide, all the interview notes, member casts, and access to my own personal library. Every single week, I am finding resources online. I'm I'm finding weekly videos on YouTube, I'm finding other podcasts, articles in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, many of the other large publications that I think will be helpful to you. And I am passing those along in the weekly guides for those of you who receive them. And I'm also databasing them in my personal library. I've been doing that for years. There's thousands of resources in there all available to you, all for free. When you set up your free membership, just click on Dave's Library. You're going to see an entire page of hashtags. You can click on any one of those hashtags on any topic. You will find resources from many of those other industry publications, resources from others that I think are going to be helpful to you. Don't spend time trying to research something for your team or a customer engagement or a presentation. Start in the library. I've done all the work for you of detailing those things out. All of that's part of the free membership. And maybe if you're looking for a a bit more, you might consider also finding out about Coaching for Leaders Plus. Uh, Coaching for Leaders Plus adds on to more benefits, and one of them is a monthly recording of our most recent expert chat. I sit down with an expert along with a few of our members every month, and we have a Q&A with our members where we get to ask them questions. And I'm mentioning this because one of the past expert chats we've done is with Jonathan. And in fact, if you go over to the Coaching for Leaders Plus page, you'll see we We've made that conversation with Jonathan available to everyone online. So if you go to coachingforleaders.plus, go to the bottom of the page, you can see the full hour expert chat of myself and our members asking questions of Jonathan on accountability. Not only will it give you a sense for some of the benefits inside of PLUS, but also, uh, most importantly, you'll get Jonathan's perspective in even more detail on accountability and working with peers and more on this conversation today. Uh, All of that you can find at coachingforleaders.plus. Have a wonderful rest of the day, and I'll see you for our next conversation on Monday. Take care.